Greetings and welcome to the pod. My name is Mark West. And have you ever been tempted to swim nude with a thousand other people in the middle of winter? John Stagg has completed the Dark Mofo Nude Solstice Swim every year since its inception. So what makes someone swim nude in the middle of the Tasmanian winter? John has some fabulous stories. He even did it himself when the event was cancelled due to COVID. I started by asking John what attracted him to nude swimming. probably isn't a great attraction to nude swimming. The reason I got in it in the first place was uh, Lee Carmichael and the Dark Mofo crew were doing a lot of their planning in the cafe where I work. So it's just near the Mercury building and they were based in the Mercury at the time. And it was the first year and but no one knew where the dark mofo was going to work. I guess there's been a lot of things in the middle of winter that people have tried to get happening that uh, none of them have really kept going or taken off. And I guess I and a lot of other people were sort of hopeful that, that, that this one would work. Um, and the nude swim, I thought it was a pretty out there idea. And there was a pretty negative reception to it. Um, <laughs> The, the the police cancelled it. They said, you can't do it. It's public nudity. We're not going to allow it. Um, and a lot of people were saying, oh, it's, I don't know, it shouldn't go ahead for this reason or another. And I thought, well, damn it, I'm going to support Lee and the Dark Mofo people because they're supporting my cafe and, uh, and they're really nice people and it might never happen again. Um, and so that's one of the reasons I did it. Another one was I've got a friend whose name's Peter. Um, I'm sure he doesn't want me to use his last name because he was <laughs> very high up in the, uh, the the legal world working for the government and he came into me. I used to be friends with his, with his son when I was at uni, so it gives you an idea of how old he is. He's a generation older than me. And he said, John, John, I don't think this will ever happen again. I want stories to tell my grandkids. So don't tell anyone I'm doing it, but I'm going to do it and I'll meet you down there. And so, of course, I told everyone. So he then told everyone, I'm not doing it. That's a stupid rumour. I wouldn't do anything so crazy. And I actually went down there for the first year and I saw him in the back row and he was there. And um, yeah, afterwards he gave me the big thumbs up. But they're probably the two reasons why I got into it. One was to support Lee and the Dark Mofo guys. Um, and two, my friend Peter just sort of planted that seed that, you know, it was just something a bit um, a bit weird and a bit wacky and it may never happen again. So I said, oh, I'll be in this. And, and we did. And uh, I don't know how you've looked into it, but that first year, I mean, if you looked in the last couple of years, there's thousands of people down there and registrations fill out and you'd think there was this wonderfully supported event. But in the first year... Um, it was almost nobody. <laughs> there was a lot more spectators and press than there were swimmers. Um, and they managed to fit every single person um, into this. I don't know if you've been down. Have you been down where it happens? No. I to the, oh, they've got a, a boat shed where the kayakers um, store their kayaks. Uh, it's just a little boat shed. 
and they got every single person in there getting changed, and then they 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 ran the probably getting ahead of myself a bit here, but I just remember everyone was in there and everyone was sort of half nervous, half scared, half excited, and they ran that roller door up and everyone just cheered and screamed and hooted and hollered and then we went sprinting down to the beach. It was such a, an electric atmosphere uh, and I guess the atmosphere of that first day when they wound up the roller door uh, is probably where I kept going. It was just such a... A, a great feeling, a great thing to be part of, and it's certainly a lot different now. But that first year was just fantastic. So, so what's the technique then? Is the technique just to once the roller door goes up, sprint and dive in and just get in as quick as you can, or do you hesitate well, and take it slow? How does it work? Oh, there's no taking it slow. They don't, they can't even close to getting everyone in that shed anymore. Now you just get changed where you stand. I see every bit of spare ground down there is taken up. And there must be thousands of people down there now. That first year, I don't know how many there were, but 20, 40, 60 people, it wasn't a lot. But yeah, now you sort of get changed where you stand. But technique for getting in, don't stop. Just don't even think about it. When the gun goes, just run and don't stop till your head's wet. And then you've got to make a decision about what you do. Do you keep swimming or do you turn around and get out? <laughs> are there are there requirements on how long you have to stay in there to, I don't know, join the the, the winter solstice club or, or whatnot, or is it just you just got to get yeah. in and that that's what that's what counts? Yeah, I think so. You've got to get wet. I make sure I get my head wet every year. But I had a, a friend. His name was Bill. Sadly, he's passed away now, and he said, "I want to do it. I want to do it." And he must have been in his eighties. And he just ran down and got into his knees and then turned around and ran out. And I reckon if he'd gone much deeper, that would have knocked him off the path. Uh, <laughs> I guess you don't really want to put pressure on people at that stage of their life to, to, to you've got to dump in and you've got to swim all the way out to the pontoon because they've got a row of um, the, the surf lifesavers. There's a row of surf lifesavers on paddle boards out probably, I don't know, 30 metres out or so. Uh, and for a lot of people... You swim out and you high-five a lifeguard and then you turn around and swim back in. Um, but that's a pretty fair effort if you get a cold day. And there have been a couple of cold days over the years. Uh, I don't know if you know what the Bridgewater Jerry is, but the Bridgewater Jerry is a fog that comes rolling down the Derwent Valley. And when it comes through, the temperature usually drops about five degrees in Hobart. And one year it just came rolling in just as it started and, oh, play was cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Hobart in the middle of winter is not famously the warmest place on earth anyway. <laughs> so, no, <laughs> look, it's not at all. There was one year there was ice on the grass and it was just bitter. There was one year I ended up with hypothermia and my wife had to finish dressing me and she put me in the car and turned the heater on the car and left me in the car for about an hour. But... <laughs> I think I wised up after that. Don't go swimming around for like 20 minutes in the water. Just get in and get out. <laughs> what, so what is the water temperature like at that time? Oh, look, it's not that bad. I think it might get down to, I don't know, a bit below 10 on a cold year, depending on whether there's been a lot of rain or suddenly swell. I actually went for a swim yesterday, and it's still moderately warm. It's probably about 12, 14 degrees at the moment. So the air air would be much colder in the morning than the water. Yeah, that's really bitter. And I think the key is 
sort of staying warm. One year, the, the surf lifesavers, I think, were really concerned and they made a point of um, having a big briefing. And they did it, it was probably about 40 minutes before the, the event started and they gave a big safety briefing and everything. And might have been the second year or the third year, but there were a lot more people than had been there in previous years. And they thought, oh, well, that's the safety briefing. We'd better get our kit off. And there was about half an hour to go to the swim. Had all these people standing around with no kit on, just a towel, for about half an hour. And they were hauling people out by their hair that year. There were so many people got dangerously cold. Oh. It was, yeah, whereas there's a mate I do it with, and we just stay fully rugged up with our beanies and gloves and balaclavas and everything until there's about two minutes to go. I think that's probably the trick. Just don't get warm and cold beforehand. Run in, run out. Run out. That's about it. So what, what changed with the public perception, do you think? You know, all of a sudden, was it just the success of the, the event and seeing people come together? I think so. I think just about everyone that would have done it in the first year, and I guess I probably knew quite a few people that did it in the first year, it being Hobart, and most of the people I spoke to said the same thing as I did. It was just this really electric atmosphere and this to doing something crazy together and how it was just such a positive feeling and they would have spoken to, to their friends and uh, and that would have promoted it. But I think also in that first year, um, because it had got a lot of publicity because the police trying to shut it down and Dark Mofo's first year, um, I had people ring me up, like my brother in Melbourne said, oh, saw you in the paper. I think it was in The Australian or The Age or something. Uh, and because there were such small numbers... If you were there, you got seen. <laughs> you get identified. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel. There were, I reckon there were more photographers and spectators the first years than there were swimmers. And you're sort of there feeling just slightly uncomfortable. What are these people doing here? And I did hear a story that in that first year, there's a park, Alexander Battery, up above uh, the beach, and that one of the local photography clubs went up there that morning to practice their Zoom technique. Oh, yeah, sure? look, I'm yeah. not sure I believe that one, but there was someone <laughs> that told me that that was in the club. They said, oh, yeah, we went up there to practice our Zoom technique. I said, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said it would be a good idea to blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I've never checked the veracity of that story, but I've heard it. That's interesting. Like Other events I've seen like this, there's a Canberra solstice swim and there's been various other things pop up over time. They don't allow spectators. So it's interesting that they that they were allowing spectators. Do they still allow spectators now? Well, they don't allow spectators, but in the first year, I think the press contingent was enormous, um, and then there were supporters of the people that were in there. A lot more went down to help me. In that first year, if she hadn't been there, I think it would have been a lot of trouble. I was so cold. And, and so there were a lot of other people there, and then other people went, oh, I'll just go down and... I don't know whether they're just people going down to watch the event or whether it's just a lot of people supporting their, their, their friends or their, their husbands and wives or whoever. I don't know, but there's a lot of people down there that aren't swimming, a lot of people. <laughs> and and um, you did it last year by yourself, even though the event was cancelled. Who told you that? Oh, I've got my sources. <laughs> so I wanted to keep it going. I really enjoy it. and. 
I wanted to, to, to keep the continuity going. So I went down there and there was absolutely no one there. Uh, it was quite early and I stripped my kit off and put my gear on the on the, the, the picnic tables there and I'm jogging down to the beach. And another bloke turned up and said, oh, beauty, I'm not the only one here. I said, yeah, me too. And I went and swam and came out as he went in and I said, oh, maybe a few other people will be here. And I went back to where my gear was and a lady came up to me and she says, oh, do you think my gear will be okay here on the table? I said, <laughs> yeah, sure. I can't see a problem with that at all. She said, yeah, I'm just going to walk my dog around to the point there and then, and then she stopped. And then she looked at me and she looked up and she looked down and about that point I realised she wasn't swimming, she was walking a dog and about that point she realised I wasn't wearing a stitch of clothing. <laughs> and she picked up her clothes and she turned around and she walked off. <laughs> I had nothing to say to that, I just sort of watched her go and uh, okay, and then towed down and got changed and got out of there. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably a fair bit different between being you know, one nude person on a beach versus a thousand. <laughs> you know my heart ain't a breakfast, oh, you glow. So you, you said you went you went swimming um, recently as well. Do you are you a, an avid ocean swimmer? Is it something you do all the time? Oh, but not really. I've always swam a bit, but I'm not one of the mad keen swimmers that swims all year round. I've got a thick wetsuit and I try and swim. I don't know, maybe once a week. But no, you certainly wouldn't describe me as one of the mad keen ocean swimmers. <laughs> so you go out in a wetsuit normally in the Tasmanian winter. Oh, about this time. That might have actually been my last swim yesterday. It was pretty cold. <laughs> except to, except for the nude swim coming up. Have you got plans to do that this year? How is the preparation looking? Is it looking like it's going to be a massive event, you know, as we come out of COVID, people getting back together again? I think it's going to be huge. I, I don't know what numbers um, that they're, they're getting in the registrar. I don't know how many people are swimming this year. But I know that registrations um, booked out almost straight away. One of the guys from Dark Mofo came into the cafe about an hour after it opened and he said, you're doing it this year, John. I said, yeah. And he said, you better get in there feeling fast. So I just registered probably within two hours of it opening and I noticed that it's, it's registrations are full now. So there, there seems to be a lot more enthusiasm now than there was however many years ago when it started that's for sure i always thought that these sorts of events would be the sort of event i'd want to do where i could guarantee that i know no one there it's not the sort of thing i'd want to be doing with my friends necessarily <laughs> how, how do you how do you how do you do it or is it all you know it's just what you do yeah look it's interesting i think more or less i agree with you but in the um in the second year we get invited to do a coffee stall. So we went down and we set up a coffee stall and one of our staff was down there, my wife and I and Howie, one of our staff was down there and I'm not sure what he was expecting but with five minutes to go, I sort of downed tools, ripped off my kit and then went for a swim and 
Howie, I don't think you looked at me the same after that. So <laughs> I think maybe you've, uh, maybe you're right. You you just do it on your own. You quietly stand there. But I do notice a lot of groups of, and I think they're people who are down here for dark mofo more than locals that are sort of coming down here for a big event. They'll do it almost like a group bonding thing. I was down there one year and there was a bunch of girls that were doing it together and I, I heard them say to a bloke, oh, here you go, can you take the camera and take a photo off? <laughs> I sort of scratched okay. my head about that and sort of thought, yeah, fair enough, whatever. But, yeah, it's not the sort of thing you do normally, is it? Ask a bloke, a strange bloke you've never met to take a photo of you and your friends with no clothes on. But <laughs> That's different true. rules down there, I think. I guess, I guess, yeah. I guess all bets are off if you're just doing it, yeah. you know, for the first time, and and uh, you're never going to do it again, you, you know. Yeah. Just just see know what happens. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a funny event because I've, I've now seen it. Um, uh, there's a Canberra equivalent now in um, like uh, like Burley Griffin, which would be nice and cold as well. Um, oh, they, it's a lot colder. Well, yeah, it was. I think the I think they're talking about ten degrees, but the air temperature is probably going to be even colder as well. Yeah, um, nasty. So uh, I, I don't know of any Sydney equivalents, but Sydney's actually very pleasant. I had a swim on the weekend, and it was great. You know, the, the water. I mean, I was clothed, mind you, but uh, the the water temperature is uh, is still very pleasant up here. So um, ah, it's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. And so how. Do you do you plan on continuing doing these in, into the future? Is this uh, uh, kind of your thing now? Uh, look, uh, my wife's in the background nodding her head very vigorously. Look, <laughs> I think so. I think so. If the Dark Mofo one gets too big, I was thinking about it last year where I just went and did it. I think you know, it's actually quite a nice thing to do to sort of celebrate the the shortest day, the longest night. And yeah, look, I probably will do, even if the dark mofo one gets really big and, and too big to be able to sort of register or book. I'll probably do it anyway. I live on the water. It's pretty easy to do. Although my son's just giving me the most horrified look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you live on the water, I mean, you might as well. Yeah. Oh, most of Hobart's on the water, isn't it? It's pretty beautiful place. <laughs> And uh, is this is this are you kind of an adrenaline junkie? Is this the sort of thing that you that you, you know you, you do other crazy events like this? Ah, oh, my wife's rolling her eyes now. I would have said no, not really, but yeah, probably. I don't know what else. I can't think of too many off the top of my head, but uh, it was just an event. It was probably as much as anything that friend of mine, Peter, who I think it was the last year before he retired us of a, a very senior legal official, as much as anything, it was him just saying, you know, this is going to be something that, you know, you'd be able to talk about in 20 years' time. I thought, you know what, that's probably a good way to think about it. So yeah. that's probably how I think about it now. And I guess if you've got a whole bunch of people nude on the beach, you can't really tell the difference between the very senior legal official and uh, and, and anybody else. It's all very uh, equalising. Absolutely. Just a big, blurry, wobbly mass. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> pretty funny. <laughs> that's, that's really quite yeah. funny. Oh, well, I hope it goes well this year. Is, uh, is, is Dark Mofo, uh, you know, ever, is, it, it, it's an established part of the, the calendar down there in, in Hobart now, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Look, be interesting to see how it goes this year. Um, 
it wasn't on last year and the year before um, every year even more so it's just embraced by the local community all the businesses to put up red displays in their window and so it gets so many people out on the street in Hobart, whereas before Dark Mofo, everyone just hibernated in winter. Whereas now, you know, you just put on a thermal and a balaclava and a big jacket and some ski boots and you get out there and it's totally changed Hobart over winter. And I think that's the biggest credit to um, to the Dark Mofo team, as well as it being so really arty and a great festival, most of which is probably way over my head. I'm just a bloody bogan, but it gets a lot of people, gets so many people in Hobart outside um, in the middle of winter, which not many other events can do, even though a few are tried. But yeah, uh, and that's a huge credit to, to Lee Carmichael and the Dark Mofo team. It really is. They've just changed, changed Hobart in winter. So hats off to them. I'll continue to support them. It'll probably be a big year because, I mean, there's a lot of local tourism going on right now. You can't go overseas, I imagine. I'm not sure. I imagine a lot of Tasmanians are staying fairly local. Um, it's probably going to be a big year for for just the local people in Hobart to get out and do it. Look, I hope so. My favourite dark mofo was the first one because no one really knew what to expect and it was mostly local people and they had... All these things where they had a winter feast where they just had you know, hundreds of fire barrels, 44-gallon drums full of wood, and all the local people were out, and you could just, almost every fire barrel you'd go to, there'd be someone else you knew, and just having a chat with your friends. Uh, you know, it's sort of 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night in the middle of winter. <laughs> it's absolutely freezing. Everyone was rugged up and everyone was having a great time and just the excitement and the, the, the sense of anticipation of what's it about. I guess now, having seen Dark Mofo what, six or seven times, that, that sense of surprise probably isn't there, which I'm guessing is a big challenge for the, the Dark Mofo guys. But if it goes back to being a little bit more local this year and a little bit, more, a little bit smaller, I think that would be a fantastic thing. I'd... Don't know that Dark Mofo ticket sales would agree with that, but <laughs> when it was a, just a, a local event in that first year, that was it was so exciting. It was just like, wow, what are they going to do next? Wow, it was yeah, it was a great time. And the and the cafe does well during Dark Mofo, a because of the number of people there, and b because they get to see that nude guy from down at the beach. Uh, yeah, look, I don't know about part b there, but part a. <laughs> It's, that might scare a few people off, actually. I had one year where I was just running out of the beach and you had to queue up to hand your towels back and I just stopped and looked up and there was about three of my customers standing there right in front of me. We also looked at each other, then eyes up and like, hi, nice <laughs> yeah. swim, yeah, good swim, and that was it, and it's never been mentioned again. <laughs> yeah, it'd be certainly, it's certainly a point of conversation. Hey, didn't I see you down at the nude swim? Yeah, I don't know whether you, it's not an opening line, is it? No, it's, um, you don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> we had one year, I think it was the second year. We had half an hour, maybe it wasn't half an hour, but a long time before anyone took off their clothes, there was one bloke stripped off all his kit and he strutted along the beach and... <laughs> 
you could see why. He had muscles bulging out absolutely everywhere. And he had this schlong that was halfway down to his knees. He just walked up and down the beach. And the initial reaction was you show off. And then the second reaction was, you know what, if I look like that, I'd probably do probably that. do it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty impressive looking human being that bloke. He's doing well. It was only probably only like three degrees as well. So. Yeah, it was impressive. It was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I guess I, I imagine you get your your mix of poses, and it's an it's a mass event, so it's kind of hard to attract uh, just uh, nervous people. Probably not particularly keen on on getting out there. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed the last year or two. Some people doing it as a as a charity event that um, I'm stripping off for whatever the charity cause was, yeah. which I thought was interesting too. Yeah, I will. Not sure exactly what I think about that, but if they're supporting good charities and people are prepared to support them, I guess that's fantastic. Well, it's a bit of extra motivation, isn't it, to to do something that you wouldn't normally do. Yeah, it probably means it's something. You know, I'd really like to do that, but oh, I'm not sure about it. You probably won't back out if you've taken donations. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It'll tip you over the edge. Do you wear yeah. a swimming cap as well? Like, does everybody go out in a, yeah, in a sea wear. of swimming caps? Yep. Oh, they're collector's items. So, yeah. Dark Mofo, uh, as in their usual style, each year prints out some fantastic... Uh, they're red with black writing. And I think one year they said Crack of Dawn. Another year it was Nude Swim. In other years, it says equally pissy sort of messages. Yep. And the year that the first year when the police tried to cancel it, they um, Dark Mofo put these uh, like police warning signs all over the place, and in big letters said "Caution: Public nudity." <laughs> <laughs> I think they all got knocked off as souvenirs. People stole them as souvenirs. It was. <laughs> Of course they did. <laughs> Amazing at publicity, those Dark Mofo guys. They're so, so clever. So clever. <laughs> oh, that's really yeah. great. This, I mean, it sounds like a fun event, apart from it's everything else. Oh, look, it's an absolute hoot. An absolute hoot. It is just such fun. And maybe when it was a bit small, it was a little bit more so. And now it's sort of bigger, a little bit less so. But that first year when they just rolled up the, the, the roller door and we all just started screaming and hurting and ran out of there. It was just, that was, yeah, uh, probably one of the more exciting experiences of my life. Just, wow, we had no idea what was going to happen. We just ran. It was fantastic. <laughs> so where does everyone go afterwards? Do they, you can't just fold back into the city or are there, are there associated events? A few people organised, depending whether it's on the weekend or um, on the weekend or during the week. Uh, there's a few cafes around there and I know that they get booked out for breakfast but um, if it's during the week I've usually got to go back to work oh. so yeah well at least if you're, you're pretty the... awake oh you're absolutely awake yeah. <laughs> I can't think of her that, that, that's about the most bracing wake up call that I think possible yeah yeah bit better than a cold shower it's um Wow, you're alive. <laughs> you know you're alive. Oh, it's amazing. So this year I think the solstice is on a on a Monday. So um, well, I think you're right, yeah. So it, you're gonna start your week that way and then go straight into the straight into the cafe and hopefully serve a bunch of people some form of warm drink to get them warm again. 
Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, quite a few of our customers do it now. Um, so I haven't heard anyone talk about it. Oh, no, it's not true. A couple of blokes um, have said they've entered, but there hasn't been a lot of talk about it yet. Hopefully a few of our customers do it and we'll be able to serve them coffee out to your hot chocolates afterwards. That'd be nice. Oh, you should get a commission or something. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a chat to Luke Crown, Mark, and see what he thinks. Yeah, see what they say. <laughs> <laughs> One year they capped entries uh, or, or they sort of, I think they closed entries before, it might have been the second year, they closed entries so that if you weren't entered, you weren't allowed in it. But it's a public beach. So they, everyone was down on the, the beach getting ready with their caps and they put down big fire pits and everyone stands around all five hours. And just before they were about to, to blow the whistle, uh, a couple of people ripped their kit off up on the on the grassy bank, and they just took. <laughs> they ran through everyone, and they dived in because um, they obviously hadn't been able to re- enter, but they didn't want to miss out. And we were watching those people running past us. And I thought that was fantastic that they that they wanted to do it that badly that they just stripped off and ran down and didn't stop them that they weren't entered. Well, yeah, it's yeah. a public beach. Yeah, it is a public beach, and. Even though you're not allowed to swim nude on the public beach, I guess the fact that everyone else is means that I can't really stop anyone doing it. <laughs> well, um, I look forward to the police trying to find the the particular nude people that aren't supposed to be there, you know, trying uh, to sort them through. I think they'd probably, yeah, just walk away from that. Nothing to see here, nothing to see here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's funny to think that just... You know, six or seven years ago, it was it was banned. I mean, it's sort of a, you know, it's a little bit out there, but it's not exact. It's not that out there. It's you know. It's oh, a... is it? Oh, it is a bit odd. Um, I think possibly the police would put in a bit of a, a spot, just because some of the residents that are complained and said, well, it is illegal to you know, nudity in public. What are you going to do about it? And so I think that sort of forced the police's hand a little bit. I don't think they really wanted to get involved and I think they were fairly keen to, to let the negotiation happen so that we were allowed to do it. I don't know what they did to get around it. I've got no idea. I just know that um, a couple of days before it happened, they said, yeah, you can do it. So, uh, yeah, I feel a bit for the police. I don't think they sort of made some decision based on moral outrage. I think that they just were forced into it because I think at the time a lot of the, the locals, or some of the locals, I better be careful there, some of the locals said, well, we don't want all these nude people down on our beach. Um, and they probably made some complaints, which I guess they're allowed to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is interesting. And now it's sort of, there'll be thousands of people down there when only... Six or seven years ago, you're right that people wanted to band and stop. Well, probably half of the police are doing it now. Yeah, there'll be police down there, fireys, and yeah, there's all sorts of people. It's fantastic. It gets bigger every year. 
Oh, it's great. Well, I imagine this year there might be some limits because of COVID. They probably can't have too many people in the one spot, but um, yeah, into the future they might be able to up the up the numbers. Or I mean, you hope it doesn't get too commercial, right? It'd be a shame if there was, you know, the the seven a.m. wave and the eight a.m. wave. You know, that you'd hope it still maintains some of its spontaneity. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned because I'd forgotten. In the first year, they did. The nude swim, and then half an hour later, I think they did what they called the prude swim. So for anyone who <laughs> wanted to do it, they didn't want to take their clothes off. Oh, and that only happened idea. once. That never happened again. Right. Um, okay. I think, yeah. That's mm, that, I, that's quite funny, actually, nude and prude swim. That's, <laughs> that, you know, that's not a bad gimmick. It wasn't a bad gimmick, but I don't think many people were really interested in doing the, the prude swim. It's sort of absolutely freezing cold. There's no sort of element of, wah! Yeah. It's just going for a swim in the cold. Uh, it never happened again. In fact, I'd forgotten about it till you mentioned it just then. You made me think of it. But, yeah, that first year they had the nude swim and the prude swim. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. It's a, it's a good concept. There's, a lot of, there's obviously a lot of history and a lot of stories. Uh, around this, which is great. It's good people who uh, are getting out and doing it. I imagine the Lifesavers have a, a pretty decent job as well, just keeping people warm. Everybody reacts differently to the cold. Um, there's probably a whole yeah, bunch of space blankets out at the end and all that. Oh, absolutely. I can remember in the first year, um, I sort of dived in and swam out and swam around and I'd swam out all the way out to the lifesavers and then just a high five and then I turned around and all of a sudden I realised, you know what, I'm really, really cold and I'm not sure I'm going to make it back. And I obviously did. And I sort of, once I could touch my foot on the ground, I sort of bounced my way out. But you're right, the lifesavers would have to be aware of all of that sort of stuff and sort of be keeping an eye out on everyone. It must be a little bit daunting for them not knowing how each person's going to react. And in the first year, look, if anything had happened, there were probably as many lifesavers there were as swimmers. But, yeah, the last time there were, maybe there were, I can't remember the exact number, but it was probably at least a 1,000 people swimming. And I wouldn't have thought that there's any way that the lifesavers could, I don't know whether they used drones or whether they just used experience or whether they, I don't know what they did, but they're doing a pretty good job. and. It wouldn't be particularly easy to to, to monitor no, that many people. It, it'd yeah. be it'd be a highlight on their calendar, but also not necessarily one they'd want to do. I wouldn't have thought because it would be <laughs> it'd be a tough gig with that many people. I don't imagine Hobart's beaches get get that many people even in the height of summer. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, the beach where it happens down at Sandy Bay, yeah, I'd say that's its busiest day for the year by a long way. <laughs> How funny! The, the shortest day of the year in <laughs> one of the coldest bits of Australia. It's its busiest day is is then. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife's just showing me there were two thousand people did it last year. So. Oh, in 2019, sorry, it wasn't online. There were two people who did it last year. Well, I imagine a few other people did it last year as well at different times. There were 2,000 people in 2019. So what you're saying about the lifeguards, 
it would have been, um, yeah, a huge job That's a to huge try and look job. after 2,000 people. Wow. Yeah. What are the other... Are there any treacherous ocean conditions there? Like, is there a, a wave break or, or is it pretty flat? Is, is that not uh, an issue? It's usually pretty flat. Uh, if you get a big southerly swell come up, there'll be, I don't know, there might be a three-foot wave there, but by and large, it's pretty flat. You're a fair way up the Derwent River by the time you get there. I think probably your biggest risk is um, if it rains a lot and you get stormwater, you probably get water contamination. Like I was mentioning earlier, the Bridgewater Jerry, the Bridgewater Jerry is just hideous. It's yeah, just the cold air that just drains down from the Derwent Valley, which is basically the Central Highlands, and it just drains down, and oh, it's absolutely freezing. I think they've had the Bridgewater Jerry running one year, and I think it was probably well below zero. That the air temperature was well below zero that year. Get in the water mm. to warm up. Pretty much, pretty much. Oh, well, yeah. I hope they light fires on the beach and, and, and do all that sort of, have mobile heaters and, and, and all that. They light a lot of fires. They do light a lot of fires, but as you get more and more people, it's harder and harder to get a spot around the fire. In the first year, there were heaps of fires and everyone was sort of standing in groups of sort of half a dozen around a fire, which is pretty effective. Uh, but when you get 2,000 people on the beach... Yeah, you don't get too close to a fire. No. Uh, one thing I would want to mention is in that first year, yeah, um, Damon Thomas was the mayor at the time, and not exactly sure what happened, but I think the night before he was having dinner with the um, the, the Buddhist monks, for reasons I don't know, I've got no idea why I was having dinner with them, but he said to him, oh, do you want to bring your drums down to the beach tomorrow? And they said, yeah. And so the Buddhist monks were down there with all their um, all their, their, their big drums. And they drummed us in. And Damon Thomas is um, no longer mayor, hasn't been mayor for years, but the Buddhists still come down with their drums every year and just bang us in. Uh, <laughs> that's become part of the tradition. And that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about the mayor is the first year it happened, I said there was heaps of media there and they were looking for someone to talk to. So I was sort of getting out of there and shivering and shaking and so were most other people. But poor old Damon Thomas had a towel around his waist, bare chested, <laughs> as all the media were trying to interview him. And he, good luck to him. He, I reckon he stood there for about half an hour and it must have been very close to zero and he stood there patiently, sort of was interviewed by all the media and stood there with a smile on his face, basically no clothes, <laughs> as they interviewed him one after the other. And I thought, good on you, Damon. And I'm sure he did it just to promote Hobart. Uh, I was in admiration of Damon Thomas that day. <laughs> You've got his chest is the, uh, is the the unofficial symbol of Hobart from that era. <laughs> Pretty much. You find photos of it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Chester giving um patiently giving media interviews as his feet went blue and he must have been cold. Oh, it was cold that year. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, I'll, I'll be careful with my Google searches then if I if I search your name up and you never know what I'll find uh, if I do that search. Uh, I think most of the photos that go up are they're pretty 
They've been taken from a, a good angle so as not to embarrass the people that they're taken off. So, so I think you'd be pretty right. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're not, not, trying to, not really trying to identify anybody. No. There's some pretty graphic images from the backs of wobbly bottoms, but you can't see any faces. <laughs> I think when they take photos the other way, they just show photos of faces and nothing else. So I think the media's pretty good about it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not really in anybody's interests to <laughs> to embarrass no. people, is it? It's, it's a, no, no, no. There are some crazy photos, like the number of people doing it. It's just the sea of humanity there. It's I've just looked them up now on my phone. It's just crazy. Yeah. I When I registered this year, they had some photos of the event. Uh, it, must have been, it must have been last year. And it was absolutely amazing watching all the people from overhead watching all the people diving into the water. It just looked like a, a school of dolphins or a school of fish or something. It was there were so many people diving in. It looked amazing. Oh, I don't know how you do it. Mm. That's pretty funny. Oh, don't well. stop moving. There's the class. Don't stop. You just keep running till your head's wet. Then you turn around and you get out. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Oh, well, good. Oh, it's, it's great that you've been there since the start too. You know, that's really nice. You can, you've been there since the start. Yeah, oh, it's a lot of fun, and Dark Mofo's wonderful. Just want to support those guys as much as anything else. Yeah. They're great. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank you very much to John Stagg for taking us through the nude swim, the Dark Mofo nude solstice swim, which he has done every year since its inception, and will be doing again in a couple of weeks. If you'd like any more information about anything you've heard in this podcast, including information on the Dark Mofo Nude Solstice Swim, maybe you want to do it yourself, or the Canberra Solstice Swim, which I am seriously considering doing having heard John's stories, then get over to the website at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net. Thanks again to John, and thanks for listening in. I'll catch you on the next one.